Hello, this is Christian Kuhn. I am the pastor of Emerging Ministries at Urban Village Church. Welcome to another edition of You See Me, UVC. Um, I am thrilled that our next guest is our opportunity to meet other folks from Urban Village is uh, Sharice Conanan Johnson, who attends our Hyde Park Woodlawn site. She is a financial advisor uh, slash internet sensation as she talks about uh, financial wealth and how to build wealth and has been tending Urban Village for several years. And so I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Sharice. Um, I apologize for this introduction. My microphone is elsewhere right now. And, uh, but the interview itself was recorded with my good microphone. So uh, the, the tinny, tinny sound of this only is happening uh, in this introduction. So if you want to be on UVC, uh, you see me UVC, or want to nominate someone so that we can get to know one another as a community of faith, please let me know, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. And now, here's Sharice. Well, Sharice, thank you so much for being part of this uh, You See Me UVC podcast. Well, thank you, Christian, for having me. It's Friday and excited to have this conversation. It's Friday at 5.30, and so you get extra points for <laughs> it's been a long week, and, and you're still willing to do this. I'm, uh, thank, thank you for that. You're so welcome. Well, first, what... So the purpose of this podcast is to just introduce other UVC folks to other UVC folks. So if you could just tell me and us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, came to start attending the Hyde Park Woodland site. Sure thing. So I'll start actually with how we came to Hyde Park Woodlawn because in that story, you'll learn a little bit about me and okay. Uh, where I am and and sort of in my own journey. So my husband, George, and I came to Hyde Park Woodlawn and started in the spring of 2014. And we had just gotten married in September of 2013. We were going to a church uh, down far south in South Holland, United um, Covenant United Church of Christ. And we wanted someplace a little closer to home. We, at the time, lived in Hyde Park. And we wanted some place that would really fuel the, the spirits of both of us. Uh, the church that we were going to, great in its own right, uh, but uh, we wanted some place that would be great for us and kind of our new marriage and, uh, and our new space together as a unit. And so George found Urban Village Online, and it was one of the first churches that we looked at to, to go visit. And interestingly enough, we went to that church and didn't make any other visits to any other churches because we felt uh, very at home and, and thought it was just a good place for us to grow and grow together as a couple, but also grow individually. And so we've been going to Hyde Park Woodlawn since the summer of 2014 after we had visited a few times that spring. Wow. Okay. That really takes the connection to me uh, and a little bit about my background, I grew up in New York and spent a lot of time in my early years post-college in the financial services world, really wanting to understand how wealth gets created. Did that 
by investing in the stock market uh, for large pension funds, foundations, and high net worth individuals. But I had a really a greater calling in my life to figure out how wealth is created from the entrepreneurship perspective. And so given that my field at the time was around investing, why don't I develop a solution for helping young people manage their money? Mm. So I moved to Chicago and started business school and it was the less risky at the time uh, choice in terms of not fully launching into starting a business, but let me learn from people in a school environment that had done it and be at a school that focused in on entrepreneurship. And out of that, I ran a financial technology startup for about four years. And part of that has also been part of my faith journey in terms of uh, being called to do something beyond myself and really needing uh, God's support to do so. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, that, that experience also, I ended up closing that business for a variety of reasons, notwithstanding not having enough capital to, to really go to the next level. And so that was a, a very humbling experience for me personally, but also just a very real experience and listening to the voice of, of God and telling me, you know, this isn't this. Yes. Uh, you thought it was a calling on your life to go start this business, but Hey, I want it to be started. And uh, the journey, uh, it doesn't have to look exactly how I envisioned it at first. Uh, and so as I closed that business and thought about what I wanted to do next, I uh, found comfort in doing some independent consulting, uh, but also I eventually made my way over to a company called Next Street. And right now they were looking to launch their Chicago office about four years ago. Uh, but since that time, I've, I've been at the company by day. And what we do is we help get more capital and services and customers to, to small businesses by working with some small businesses directly. We do that part of the business in New York City, but then also working with larger institutions, foundations, governments, financial institutions to help them set strategy on how to get more capital. An example of that is what we're going through right now in COVID-19. We are involved, uh, for instance, in Chicago, where obviously UVC is based, in uh, launching a fund uh, and structuring that fund and getting all the right government, private sector people together to ensure that the right services get to entrepreneurs uh, and small businesses. So I did that by day. And then at night, uh, I am full-time parent, uh, although that has shifted to day two, given all of the ways in which COVID-19 has changed our child care situation. Um, and so I'm full parent, full wife. Uh, and I also run a separate platform that just talks about wealth and individual wealth um, uh, through my platform called Cherie Says. Mm. That's a little bit about me. Love, love to... Uh, Talk about any of those things more. Yeah. Do you feel like earlier in your career, and I would imagine this is still true today, but that sense that, uh, that calling about how do I help young people manage money? Mm -hmm. And 
I, I, I know I, I subscribe to Sheree Says and so love getting those, <laughs> uh, those emails and watching your YouTube channel. Encourage others to do that. Uh, do you find with working with Next Street and then also kind of your own little Sheree Says um, component that you are living into that um, desire to help? It's not, you're doing, I know you're doing more than helping young people manage money, but it seems like, especially with entrepreneurs, you're really trying to help people start out and, and get going. Is that, is that kind of accurate? Yes. Well, first of all, thanks for spreading the word on Cherie Says. <laughs> Appreciate that uh, sharing. And I would say wealth creation, right? In, in you doing that deed in uh, also service of others, you're, you're helping to share wealth. You're helping to share knowledge as an individual. And I would say to your question of what I'm doing by day at Next Street at the systems level, what I do at Cherie says at sort of more the individual level, those two things are so integrated because they both deal with wealth creation and you actually need to tackle both sides of that equation. And that is what I've come to. Uh, and th- it wasn't always that, that clear to me, quite frankly, and I have to be very honest about that. And it's a lot of prayer and discernment, but also how do I put what I think God's calling in my life is and this is where I feel very clear mm. is to encourage others. It is to use my actions as a, as a faith journey and to use my gifts and skill sets around investing in wealth uh, to really bring others to that table and let people know that it's, that wealth is attainable. It's how you define that wealth in terms of tangible and intangible and how can we move forward I think, too, in terms of our desire as children of God to, to get wealth and to make wealth, like we, we should live into that because uh, I do believe that God wants that for us. Yeah. Are there common characteristics? So I didn't really, for a lot of my life, until I you know, was in my late 30s and started thinking about starting something, uh, in this case a church, never necessarily thought that I was an entrepreneurial person until mm-hmm. I started reflecting and learning and, and, and realized like maybe there's a little part of me that is, and that kind of kept on growing. What is it about entrepreneurs, both for you and starting things and the entrepreneurs that you work with that um, I guess is attractive to you? Sure. I love that question because For me, entrepreneurship is a state of mind and a state of being. Mm. When I think about entrepreneurship and why I'm attracted to it, and whether it's in a traditional sense of starting something from scratch as a small organization or being part of a larger organization and maybe starting something small within the context of that larger organization, and I know people might hear the term you know, intrapreneur, that mm. kind of fits more in that definition. Uh, but the, the commonality that I think is attractive is you want to solve problems, mm. you want to meet a need, and you want to use creativity as well as start from a blank sheet of paper. Um, and whether that, that paper is blank, uh, sort of really white blank or gray, or have spots on it, I think it really helps dictate the spectrum of entrepreneurship or 
you know, the resources that you might have at your disposal to fill in that white space. Mm-hmm. So as I think about what attracts me to it, it's it's the energy that that I get from it. It's also the the desire to have impact from a solutions oriented framework. I love that image. I'd never thought about that before. It's, you know, I think we all talk about starting with a blank sheet of paper, but I, I love the thought that for some people it is completely blank. For others, they might like they like it's blank, but they also like that it's lined, perhaps. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it need a little bit of structure. That's right. That's but, right. Or the the line represents too. It could be represent uh, to build on your description. You know that that's that's someone else putting in some funding. Sure, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. Like so, the the stage is really important, and some people really like the really really beginnings. Some people really like it, like you said, kind of filled out. So I think everyone has their flavor. The important thing is finding what flavor works for you. What's your tolerance to that? And how is it in, you know, line up also to what God is calling you to do? Yeah. Well, certainly there are a fair number of uh, young adults who attend Urban Village. And with the young people that you work with when it comes to, uh, to wealth and building wealth, what are some of the top concerns that you, that you hear about um, when, when you work with, particularly with young adults? Sure. I would highlight a couple of things. One aspect that I hear a lot or just, and even experienced as a younger person when I really tried to exercise my entrepreneurial mindset, which is, do I have a good enough idea? Hmm. Uh, You know, I think people question and reflect on that very notion. And the idea itself, I say, is a dime a dozen. Lots of people have ideas, um, but can you execute on that idea? Can you practice in some small way to get you and sort of dip your toe in the water uh, to see if that idea has 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 legs, has life? Uh, it might be for free or volunteer to think about who else is executing on your idea. And so that question of, you know, can I can I do this? is also tied to the second piece, which is around confidence. A lot of young entrepreneurs or aspiring problem solvers uh, see themselves as not quite yet ready. And that that really ties to confidence. Uh, Where am I in my own psyche, in my own faith journey, uh, in my exposure level? You know, many people don't come from entrepreneurial-minded environments, uh, you know, even laid to the comment you mentioned, you you may not have thought of yourself as an entrepreneur and it's probably because you might not have seen it around you uh, or, you know, wasn't, wasn't really put out as an option for you really to really consider in your twenties or in your, as if you were a teenager. Uh, And then I would say the third piece, which is also tied to the confidence is, can I actually practically take on this responsibility? Do I have the financial resources? Do I have the networks? Mm-hmm. Do I have an indication with respect to how long I can go uh, if I'm actually starting from scratch or bootstrapping? Um, and so that would be the third piece in terms of, am I practically ready? Have I saved enough money to give myself a shot? Uh, what's the trade-off in terms of me foregoing some steady income? 
or me getting this additional skill set because I'm working a more traditional nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, those would be the top three things. I would say the idea itself, the confidence level, and then practical. Am I ready to actually take that leap? Yeah. Do you mind me asking uh, too, for you as an African-American woman mm-hmm. in its field, uh, is that also part of what you sense as your own call so that others can see other African-Americans in this field? Or is, um, to, is that something that, um, that you reflect on or think about as you, as you move into this particular area? Absolutely. I do think strongly that representation matters. Mm-hmm. And I think many people of color because of the ways in which color has been defined in this country, carry a burden and also a a responsibility that we feel and we take on to make sure others have the exposure or the experiences. Uh, And that's just something I think comes with a lot of people of color when they do things that are either against the grain or they've been locked out of spaces. Um, And so they know for themselves how important it is to see someone else like them. And so, you know, there are, there are a lot of reasons for that again, because of the country in which we sit, many of the reasons that we talk about in our anti-racism training, you know, that all ties together. But ultimately if I do well, and even if I don't do well, and what is subjective and how you define what that is, Just trying um, is is important because most people, again, if I go back to the three things I mentioned before, get stuck before they even try. And so for other people to see people have who have tried, and again, they might not have succeeded, and I'm putting my own hands in quotation marks uh, because we're on audio, um, you know, they want to know that you've put the attempt uh, and it's important for people to see. Yeah. How, so I want to ask you with so much uncertainty, I mean, unprecedented uncertainty right now, and for you working in the financial field, I would imagine that people are coming up to you and seeking your wisdom about how they should be responding, whether they uh, have debt or have investments, what have you. So what are some general uh, advice that you're sharing with folks right now when it comes to their own wealth? Sure. Uh, A couple of things I would say, a couple on the, I call it the expense side, which is probably where people go first. Uh, And so with COVID-19 and the environment that we're in, I think people are evaluating, am I going to have enough money to pay for my expenses in order to live the kind of lifestyle that I've been living? And people are asking that question because of the real numbers. You know, we had 22 million people in this country apply for unemployment benefits over the last month. And so the income part of the equation that fuels what you spend money on is real. And so if you're questioning that income piece because of job uncertainty, then you automatically have to question the expense side of the house. Mm -hmm. So I I would be reflecting on... um, are there expenses that if I had to change my income situation because that was forced upon me uh, or I decided to do so because many people are also just having reflective moments <laughs> around what they're doing day to day, 
could I change some of my expenses? Could I live with a roommate? Do I have, can I refinance my mortgage given where interest rates are? Can I look at my student loan debt? And knowing that the federal government, the Department of Education uh, for federal loans, for instance, has dropped the interest rate to 0% for these next 60 days uh, that started a few weeks ago. Uh, do I want to make sure that if I needed to cut off my Netflix subscription, I would do so. So, whoa, 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 whoa Sharice. I think yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And Netflix subscriptions have gone up in this time. So people are watching more. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's one people would cut. <laughs> my drift in terms of the income side of the house implying a effect on the expense side, uh, oh. which, is, which is one piece. I appreciate too, just real quick, the, I think when people think, or when I think about expenses, I do, I think about what's the day-to-day stuff that I may have to cut back on and not give enough thought to things like you said, refinancing my mortgage or mm-hmm. not realizing that I can get a break on interest with my student loans. And That's so right. it, there's a, seems like there's a huge array of different, when it comes to expenses, there's a lot to think about, which can be overwhelming, but it's, it, maybe it's a little helpful to think, well, I, Maybe I can't keep my Netflix, but I can do this other thing and kind of balancing all of that. That's right. That's exactly right. I think you are observing my comments well and drawing the right insights because that also relates to the opportunities. Hmm. And that's the second kind of bucket that I would encourage people to think about. One, are there opportunities to make more money? Hmm. And if that is important to you, then... I think you need to think about that. Uh, and that could be an additional side hustle. Uh, mm. which is real. Uh, are you doing more driving because you're an Instacart driver? And obviously there are risks that come along with that. But Instacart is thriving, I think, in this environment because people are stepping up to get more income, to go into the grocery stores for people. And they believe that they're having real impact, Right and helping people get the food and stuff that they need. That, that's one example that someone might look at as, I can get more money because I'm doing so. I think everyone has to balance that with the health implications for your own personal choices. Another opportunity is, how can I think about the investment side of the house if I am wanting to take advantage of what's happening in the stock market, for instance? Now, some people say, well, Sharice, how, I don't even know anything about the stock market, uh, which come to my website, sharicesays.com, and there's free videos, so you don't have to pay anything, but free <laughs> on how the stock market works. Uh, but even if you weren't there yet, and there are several resources like Acorns, which is one I talk about a decent amount because I'm a personal user, and it's a great product, where you can take the spare change in your spending on your debit card and that automatically gets invested into the market. I have a whole blog on how to do that again for free. Uh, but basically it's it's finding these opportunities where there's there is dislocation in the investment markets and participating in a way that makes sense. Another way that one can do that that I think brings again this message and the reality of wealth creation, what can I do with my own family? What can with people who are like family to me, that they might not be blood related, but we act in that way. Can we pull our resources to take advantage of supporting another business that you want to see be successful? You know, pooling resources to 
you know, provide to organizations that you care deeply about that, you know, are struggling right now, more on a philanthropic or even there are, might add even a tithing basis. Um, you know, I, I say that in all uh, expectation that people have to decide what's important to them yeah. uh, and do it. So I think prayerfully and faithfully, but also recognize that your wealth isn't uh, just yours. You can, you can leverage that by banding with other people in order to increase what impact you can have with resources. Yeah. So I want to think, I want to ask people to think about that as well in terms of taking advantage of opportunity. And then I would, I would end by saying too, on the opportunity side, there might be places in your 401k, particularly if you're a young adult and you had perhaps never considered giving to a 401k, um, you get so much in terms of tax benefit. And now is a really good time because markets and investment markets are, are, you know, not doing well right now. If you're young and you are looking like you're going to live a long time, and that is the case, I hope so, uh, that becomes a time where investing in your 401k, uh, which if, if that term is not familiar to you, it's a retirement account that allows you to plan in advance. Uh, and again, if you, this is unfamiliar, you can check out my blog and, and just learn about what that is and really just take ownership of, of your money. And so those were the things I would say on the opportunity side. And then uh, finally, which really spans both the expense, which is connected to the income and the opportunity side is uh, if there are skill sets that you want to focus on during this time, because you're at home more, mm-hmm. that you're not sure that you're going to monetize them now, but they give you the background and the practice that if you do want to monetize them at some point, that could be useful. One of my friends is making masks for other people around the country because she sews and people are paying her for that because they can't get them on Amazon. So just to, as an example of a practical means to be involved, build a skill set, and still take advantage of opportunity. It seems like there are in, in so many areas of life right now, so much pivoting going on. And certainly in how we manage our money is, is one way in rethinking our investments and rethinking our expenses, a lot of pivoting when it comes to our personal lives and social lives too. And what does this mean and how, um, what might be different, hopefully if, when this is all over uh, as organizations, certainly we as the church, as a staff have been talking about that. Mm-hmm. So um, how we, how we think about our, our wealth and our finances are certainly no different. Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful summation of where we are in this moment and our new normal and our pivot and trying to make sense and still act every day, recognizing that we have choices to make, Mm -hmm. recognizing that we try and hold on to the faith that we profess uh, or build that so that we can withstand this time and you know, recognize that we are part of a larger community greater than ourselves. I'm really, really grateful for the ways. I mean, not, I think there are some, and I understand this, that who really um, take their life and divide it up into different parts. Here's my spiritual side. Here's my emotional side. Here's what I do for a living. And they compartmentalize. Mm. So I always try to help people, especially with their spiritual side. I'm believing that God is integrated into all that we do. And I'm grateful for the ways that you, um, that you talk about that and the way that you integrate your faith. And so 
And talking about that, I mean, you, gosh, you're, you have so many things going on and you're a new mom as well. How do you, what keeps you grounded as particularly when it comes to your faith life? How do you, you know, you're juggling all these things and still um, wanting to be, to grow in your own faith. What are some of the things that you do to, to make that happen? Oh, Christian. <laughs> it Some is a, better than others, perhaps. That's right, right? That That's a constant uh, retooling, but also an investment of hmm. the disciplines that I literally thank God that I tried to make the investment earlier on. And I know, you know, we have a younger congregation as well here. In my 20s, I read a book called uh, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for Christian Living. Mm. And it was informative for me because the art of journaling, Mm. of praying, of gathering with people that are like-minded, with tithing. Uh, Many of the things that unless you practice the discipline, it's hard to, I think, um, make them consistent parts of your life. And so now I get to practice and enjoy the fruits of that investment and also fine tune them in a way that kind of adjusts to my new reality yeah. um, as a worker, uh, as an entrepreneur, um, as a sister in Christ, like all of the identities that I have as a family person. And so in a day, and I'll just share what happened today because that's, I think, indicative of how I center myself. I woke up and I had some journaling time this morning. Uh, The journal was actually, wasn't my spiritual journal, it was actually a journal that I'm writing for my daughter. I write in this Mm. journal, it's to her. And Mm. For me, that is centering, uh, and I write on it sort of probably on off days that I don't write in my own journal, but I, that's just me and God. Uh, so that that was centering for me today. I am going to take a walk later on today because exercise, also a part of, I think, your wealth, the intangible nature of your wealth mm. is important to me. Take some deep breaths. Uh, before we even got on the call, you sat, asked me, am I okay to take this? Because it had been a long day. And I said, yes, let me take it. And I took a deep breath. So that's helpful. Uh, and that is true. Christian's smiling at me because that, that is true. Um, but, you know, ultimately it is finding the daily centering points uh, that, that really help ground me. Uh, it's, it's, it's texting with my mother to make sure she's okay. It's making sure that my partner, George, and I are synced up like all of the centerings that I need to make myself function properly. Uh, I see, for instance, also I see a therapist. Uh, and I say that proudly because I need help processing all of the things that I just hold. Yeah. My head and my heart and my spirit. Uh, and that, that's helpful for me in my own just journey as a, as a child of God, as someone that I want to, who I want to be and who I want to be and all the identities that I possess. So uh, those are the ways that I am am, in trying to center myself. uh, And I know everyone is, is different and has to find out what works for them. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I think hopefully 
for, for folks who have been working on those disciplines and habits, for those who are just beginning, it can be a little overwhelming. And so mm-hmm. what I try to tell, I, I'm grateful to for, for you naming the fact that everybody's different. The way that you are grounded, it will not be the same for somebody else, but can learn at least maybe one or two of the things that you do and incorporate it into their own life. And I always tell people to start, start somewhere and start small. And mm-hmm. so journaling is a great place to start, just especially for people who, um, in fact, my sermon this Sunday is about silence and how silence can be really intimidating because our thoughts go all over the place mm-hmm. and journaling can help kind of focus uh, a person. That's exactly right. Yeah. And one of the things that I have leaned on in my own journey when the disciplines might not have come so easily or in come in the time that I wanted, I literally prayed about God help me to do the things that it's just hard for me to do. Yeah. And and even if your discipline that you're working on for yourself is prayer, uh, know that God hears that prayer and that, that, that God will listen and provide some answers perhaps in ways that you might not even know. The important thing is to voice that and ask for help because that, that I know for me has proven well. And again, if it's not that even prayer, it's uh, perhaps a small group or accountability partner, whatever it is, that's just going to help you move in the ways that you want to move. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, I want to uh, end on some kind of lighthearted questions. And so Netflix earlier. And so I want to know um, what's something that you have watched recently that you would really recommend uh, to somebody else, whether it's uh, streaming or somebody, uh, something else. Oh man, I have two shows that <laughs> George and I have been watching and I, I try not to even get involved in too many shows because it's, it's obviously very appealing to get sucked in. Yeah. Um, and for all that I'm doing, it's hard to get, it, it's hard for me to get sucked in. But that being said, I, I need some breaks and this, this is great breaks. One is, I think it's World War Z, which is a wow. Netflix and it is really about the coming of extraterrestrial beings uh, in France and in London is really set between two different countries. And it's their take on trying to live with these extraterrestrial beings, which I won't give it away because that's part of the fun of it, but it's, it's a fascinating series. And the second one that we just started watching uh, earlier this week and I already have gotten through seven episodes, so it shows you what... <laughs> We are doing uh, after uh, my daughter goes to bed, which is indulging in a show called uh, Unorthodox. I don't uh, know it, but I've seen the, but I've not watched it. Is that uh, it? Must be it, good. It's fantastic. It's actually based on a book and someone's real life who is uh, Orthodox Jew uh, and part of a small community in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And sort of their whole life is in this community. And one person, uh, the the main character, decides to break away and move to Berlin, leaves her husband and uh, her family to, to, to kind of get away from this way of life that's been so painful for her. And it's just a fascinating one. I just, I just didn't know about a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> and two, it is just beautifully written and 
it's just enjoyable. It's, it's, it's humorous. It's, it's, it's informative. It's character development. It folks like character development it's, and it's just a kind of fun, intriguing kind of show. Okay. That's good. I'm, I'm marking that down myself. What is, um, if you just, uh, want to treat yourself with a food or a meal, what's your go-to? Food or meal, depending on the season, but for right now, like in this moment in time, my go-to is pizza. Okay. So um, I, I enjoy home run pizza. I can't get my real New York uh, thin sliced pizza like I want to, but home run is a really good frozen substitute that you might be saying, ooh, frozen pizza, but I'm telling you, this is from a New Yorker who is a pizza connoisseur. This is this is the jam, and I put some <laughs> spinach on it, some even chopped up bacon or pepperoni, you know, sprinkle some garlic powder and some oregano, and we're good to go. So as a New Yorker then, are you uh, pro or anti deep dish pizza? I'm neutral. Oh. <laughs> that... That really just depends on the day. Okay. I only eat deep dish pizza about two or three times a year, though. So okay. Okay. That, that's my neutral. That's my my ode to Chicago since it, this is home for me the last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last question, who would you want to play you in a movie about your life? Oh, my gosh. Who would I want to play me in a movie about my life? You mean like a famous person playing me? That doesn't matter. You, however you want to answer that question. Wow. I'd have to go with my girl, Issa Rae. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Question secure. I love it. Yeah, so I'll go with Issa Rae, and partly because people say that sometimes Issa looks like me. I see the resemblance. With the eyes. Huh? And she's super funny, and I love her wit. And I think she'd do a slam up job playing me. So good. All right. Well, Sharice, thank you so much for uh, giving your time for this. Uh, and not only, obviously, for your commitment to, to Urban Village, but the way that you serve and give so much to so many other people. I'm really grateful for it. Well, thank you, Christian, for having me and for the work that you do and trying to connect people across. UVC and our community. And I thank you for the ways in which you lead us. So thanks so much. And Sharice says, so C-H-A-R-I-S-S-E-S-A-Y-S.com. And so people can go on there. I subscribe to her email. And when it comes out, great little short videos. Uh, and I highly recommend it. So if folks, not only the free stuff too, but if people, I would imagine if they want to go a little bit deeper with you, um, that uh, they can contact you for that. They sure can. Contact. Okay. Great. All right. Thanks, Charisse. All right. Thank you, Christian. Have a good night. Thanks again to Charisse for spending time with me. And I hope that you got a chance to get to know her a little bit as well. Once again, if you would like to be on this podcast or be uh, or nominate someone to be on the, this podcast, reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. All right, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you.
And that's the episode. Thanks again to Jim for giving his time. If you would like to be part of this podcast, or if you would like to nominate someone to be part of it, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org, and we'd love to have you on. Um, During this time of COVID-19, certainly I hope you'll go to the Urban Village website, urbanvillagechurch.org slash community. That's where we have a lot of our resources, uh, how you can get help. And then um, also check out the website for ways that we are worshiping online and other prayerful uh, opportunities throughout the week as well. So again, friends, thanks for listening.